Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. morning, church. I am Adam Seat, and I'm one of the pastors here at Orange, and I'm so thankful that you have chosen to be with us this morning in this time of worship. Let us pray. God of grace, God of mercy, we give thanks for the opportunity we have to draw close to you once again today. We ask, Lord, that you might guide us in all that we say and all that we do. We ask that you might use this time to help shape us and form us being a little bit more like Jesus. So, Lord, as we give thanks for your word as it has been read, we now ask that we would hear it as it is proclaimed. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today, individually and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. In 1896, Charles Sheldon was the pastor of Central Congregational Church in Topeka, Kansas. And every Sunday night, they had a worship service. And so after having preached on Sunday morning and then again preaching on Sunday night, a different message, he didn't want to be too repetitive. And so he began to try to think how he might be able to continue to share the message to his congregation, to his people. And so an idea came upon him that he would write a sermon story, or dare we say a parable, each week based on moral circumstances that people might face and asking one central question, what would Jesus do. As he began, each week he would preach a message. He would read this story that he actually had written of a different character attempting to imitate Jesus in a variety of circumstances. Now, the very first one, as he began this sermon series, this story series, he told the story of how an unemployed man and desperate person approaches the pastor as he's at his parsonage. The pastor's name was Reverend Henry Maxwell. And as this desperate, out-of-work man comes to the parsonage, he's interrupting Reverend Maxwell as he's actually putting the finishing touches on his sermon that he is to preach that day. Reverend Maxwell's a little bit put off by the interruption, and quickly he dismisses this desperate man pleading for help. And he gets back to work on that precious message. As the story continues, that Sunday morning, that same desperate, out-of-work man arrives at Reverend Maxwell's church, and he sits and worships, and Reverend Maxwell preaches this eloquent, beautiful message that he had been working so diligently on. But at the conclusion of the service, this desperate man walks up to the front of the church. Nobody stops him. And he turns to the congregation and he begins to just speak the truth as he has experienced it. Calling out 
the apathy, the lack of compassion. And soon, when he's finished, he collapses right there in front of them. And frankly, according to the story, he dies a few days later. This event completely shook up the entire congregation, and none more so probably than Reverend Maxwell, who had heard his pleas, but he ignored them and went on about his business. And so as the entire congregation is completely struck by this, the next Sunday morning when they all came and arrived at church, Reverend Maxwell issues this plea, this challenge to them. Do not do anything without first asking, what would Jesus do? <laughs> Hooked yet? <laughs> it really is a fascinating challenge because it, it makes you think, what would Jesus do? In all of the circumstances that we face in our lives. And so as Charles Sheldon was preaching these stories each week about Reverend Maxwell and the members of the community... And about how their lives were being changed through these different episodes and transformed by asking that question, what would Jesus do? And this was every Sunday night. He was telling a different episode. And soon the church was packed every Sunday night with people wanting to hear the next episode. And after he had taken this sermon series, this story series, as far as he thought he could go, the Chicago Advance began to publish each episode one week at a time, selling numerous copies of each episode each week. And when they had finished publishing them all, they compiled the collection and titled the book In His Steps with the subtitle, What Would Jesus Do? Now, unfortunately, the Chicago Advance did not fill out the copyright paperwork in the proper form. And so ultimately that allowed other publishers to begin to publish it and distribute it without paying any royalties to the author, Charles Sheldon. And in total, In His Steps has now sold over 50 million copies. It's a fascinating story because it makes us consider what would Jesus do in the different circumstances. And as we said, it started this thing back in the 90s where people had these bracelets with WWJD reminding themselves to ask that question, what would Jesus do in these circumstances, in this situation? And so throughout September, we have been going through the lectionary gospel readings, and we've tried to look at what would Jesus do? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? So that we might imitate Jesus. So that we might be like Jesus. And as we've gone through, I know it's challenged me. It's stretched me. Because the things that Jesus says, and the things that Jesus did many times, are not what I would say. They're not what I would want to do. But if I want to be like Jesus, then I've got to be challenged. I've got to press and lean in to his will. 
If you've missed any of those messages of this past month, you can go to our website or you can go to our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash orangeumc, and you can catch up on the different messages about how we might be like Jesus. And so today, we're looking in the lectionary gospel lesson today is from Matthew chapter 21, as Savannah read just a few moments ago. And once again in this passage, Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees. Imagine that. It seems like they just keep on, keep on hounding him with one question after the other. And one of the things that I find so fascinating about Jesus is a lot of times when they ask a question, you know what Jesus does. He turns that question into another question. Sometimes you can only imagine how frustrating it might have been to ask Jesus a question, only to have that question returned with another question. It reminds me of that game that I remember playing in youth group where we would only have a conversation by asking questions. For example, it might be, what are you going to do today? And the answer might be, do you really want to know what I'm going to do today? Why do you ask the question if I really want to know what, you're, what I'm doing today? Who are you going to tell if I tell you I'm going to take a nap? You get a sense of it, right? It's just back and forth, constant questions. And that's a lot of times the way that Jesus responds to the people that come to him with questions. Turning that question back on to them. Try this game with your spouse or with your friend, you'll get a hang of it pretty soon. And in this time, as they inquire of Jesus about what authority he has to teach what he's teaching, and Jesus just turns that back on a question regarding John the Baptist. But as Jesus continues in this question, you can really tell that Jesus is probably a little bit more than annoyed by the Pharisees and they're asking these questions. In that passage, Jesus gives them ultimately a parable. Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. You know, I can imagine maybe that that son, maybe that son had plans to hang out with his friends that day. They were going to go for a stroll. They were going to go fishing. Maybe, maybe that son had all these other ideas of how he was going to spend his day. And perhaps and when he tells his father, I will not, it's because he has such plans. But as he's on the way to his friends, can't you imagine? He walks by the vineyard and he looks over and he sees the vineyard and he knows that the vineyard will not tend to itself. And so the son turns, and he goes, and he does what his father had asked him. I just picture it, that at first he was reluctant. No, I don't want to. But ultimately, he does what his father has asked. Now, as Jesus continues in this story, it says, Then that the father went to the second son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Once again, I can almost picture this father going to the son and saying, Son, I need you to go work in the vineyard today. And perhaps the son is playing a video game. Obviously not back then. But perhaps the son is caught up in the middle of something right then in that moment. And he's probably like, Yeah, Dad, I'll get right on that. Let me finish this first. But one game leads to the next. 
And the next game leads to the next. Ultimately, he never goes to the vineyard. Jesus asked the Pharisees, which one of the two sons did the will of the father? And they reply, the first one. Ultimately implying that the one who said no, but ultimately went, is the one that did the will of the father. And Jesus assures them in that very moment that God is far more concerned with what we do than with what we say. Jesus even says that the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors will enter into the gates of heaven before those Pharisees who merely proclaim with words, but never with the actions. You know, that's, that's something that is so fascinating to me. Because as Jesus asked, which one of these two did the will of the Father? We could even ask it in a certain way. We could change it a little bit and say, which one of the sons are you more disappointed in or even angry at? I may be revealing a little bit more of myself than what I want to, but I'll tell you, the son that I find I'm more annoyed with right here is the one that said, I'll do it, but never goes. That makes me almost angry. Which one pleased the father? That's pretty obvious. It's the one that said, I will not go. But he ultimately went. And you know, the Bible has so many examples of people who might have been like that first son, who, who God had called upon them and sent them a task, a mission, put them in certain circumstances and times that they never wanted, didn't want to be a part of. And maybe at first they refused. But ultimately... Like the first son, they followed through. They did what he had asked. Sometimes it's because they felt unworthy. Moses, if you remember the scene of the burning bush, which we just talked about in my Sunday school class last week, in that scene with the burning bush, as God is speaking to Moses and calling him and sending him, in that moment at first, Moses saying, I, I, I'm not eloquent. I'm not a good speaker. He's trying to feel, talk to God and say, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough to do this challenge, this mission that you're putting before me. He doesn't want to. But we know ultimately he does. Jeremiah, when God calls upon him, Jeremiah says that he's too young for I am only a child. Isaiah feels unworthy for my lips are unclean. Sometimes they don't feel worthy. Sometimes in the scriptures we find that people just simply don't want to do the task that is put before them. Jonah ran in the exact opposite direction from where God had told him to go. But ultimately, he went. Moses himself continues to plead with God throughout the journey in the wilderness, seeking anybody else. But ultimately, he leads them as far as he can go. Which one of these did the will of the Father? They were reluctant and first refused. But they lived up to what God had called them to. Moses, he delivered his people. Jeremiah was a prophet to the nations. Isaiah proclaimed the word of God. And Jonah called upon the people of Nineveh to repent. 
You know, in a way, when I think of those who at first were facing such challenges and missions and tasks that God put before them that they did not want, I'm reminded of the book, The Fellowship of the Rings, of the Lord of the Rings. And in the movie, if you saw it, there's that one scene that is so beautiful to me. After so many different calamities, we have Frodo, who has been given the task and accepted the challenge to destroy the ring of power, one ring to rule them all. But after facing one challenge and calamity after another, there's one poignant scene where Frodo is lamenting to Gandalf the wizard. Frodo says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. And Gandalf replies, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that has been given to us. The first son may have wished that none of this had ever come upon him. He may have wished his father had never even had a vineyard. But even though he did not wish to go, he had to decide what to do with the time that had been given to him. Like Moses, like Jonah, like Jeremiah, like Isaiah, they don't go because it's their will. They go because it's the will of the Father. Like Jesus. Jesus, who just before they come to arrest him there, he is, throws himself to the ground and is pleading with his Father, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from before me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. It may not have been Jesus' will, but Jesus demonstrated the capacity for complete obedience. Obedience demonstrates that trust in God. Obedience demonstrates that trust that God will be with us and that God will deliver. Obedience demonstrates that love, a self-sacrificing love, love for the Father. You know, maybe right now, in all the circumstances and everything that you're facing, maybe you feel a little bit like Frodo. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. Maybe you feel like that first son who's given that task to go to the vineyard, but you don't want to go. But what we must choose is what we do with the times that have been given to us. I wish that the pandemic of 2020 had never, ever come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. For me, I wish that all of the racial injustices that we see over and over again had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. I wish that we didn't live in a time that was filled with such hatred and divisiveness. I wish that none of this had ever happened. I wish that we did not live in a time that we, people who are created in the image of God cannot look upon other people who are created in the image of God and see that they are good, very good. I wish that none of this had ever happened. I wish that there was no child in the world 
who may wonder where their next meal may come from. I wish that there was no man or woman who this very night will wonder where they will lay their head to rest. I wish that none of this had never happened. I wish that there were not people in our community who were so afraid to come forward for the assistance that they need because they are afraid of government that may send them away from their family and children. I wish none of this had ever happened. I wish we didn't live in a world where people seem to love to hate and almost hate to love. I wish none of this had ever happened. And I wish we didn't live in a world where people feel that they are so afraid to be who they are because somebody has already judged them and deemed them as unworthy and unfaithful. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. I wish that the father had never even had a vineyard. We may not want the times that have come to us. We may not want the mission that God has put before us. But we will be judged by what we do with the times that we have. Not by what we say. We may not want these times, but what matters is what we will do with the time that has come to us. These are not, these are the times that have come to us. We look around our world and we can see that these are the times that we are in. We are called to be a people of God. And when we look at what Jesus said and we look at what Jesus did, he gave up his own will. For the will of the Father. And that means for us, we too have got to set aside our own will. We too have got to give up on our own wishes and wants. God has called us into obedience. And so it's time, if we really want to be like Jesus, it's time. It's time to set aside those old wishes, wants, and ways. Recognizing that's not our world. This is where God has placed us. Right now, God has placed us in a world where there are people who are hungry. Right now, God has placed us in a world where there is filled with so much hate. Right now, God has put us in a world there is so much judgment. Right now, God has put us in a world that we are called to go out into and to be a voice for justice, to be a voice for hope, to be a voice for mercy, to be a voice for compassion, but not just to be a voice, but to be a body that lives like Jesus. I invite you. I invite you to not do anything without asking first, what would Jesus do so that we may be like Jesus? Let us pray. Lord, we are facing circumstances that maybe we never, ever wanted. There are challenges all around us. And sometimes it feels almost like we're not even cut out for this world. But God, where we are weak, you are strong. And just like with Moses, just like with Jonah, just like with Jeremiah, just like with Isaiah, just like with Jesus, Lord, you go with us. 
And so let us face these challenges. Let us face these circumstances that we may not have the answers for yet, but let us face them and be willing instead of just speaking to it, but we would go and do it. That we would be obedient to what you've called us to so that we may truly see thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.